What is up? This is Take It or Leave It. I am so happy to have you here. Excited for the show today as usual. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, whether it's the full hour, if it's 30 minutes, if it's five minutes, it doesn't matter. Thank you so much for listening. I am happy to have you. Um, We've got a lot to talk about this week. NBA playoffs, a little draft recap. Let's let's jump right in. Let's do it. So first things first, uh, the NBA playoffs. Let's get a little recap. And uh, last week, I kind of gave some predictions on some series that were already set up. Uh, the Warriors, I believe, was not completed at that point, and neither was the Blazers Nuggets. So Warriors Rockets was not official, and Blazers Nuggets was not official as far as a series. So we'll give a little bit of a. a I'll basically give you what I think that those series are going to turn into. I know I've kind of had a couple game head start at this point, but that's okay. So uh, I did go with the Sixers in, in six games. Uh, so let's start there. We're going to start with the Raptors and Sixers. Check back in, see how I'm doing so far. Philly does lead 2-1 to one so far. And it has seemed that I, I, I'm going to stick with my pick here. I'm going to stick with uh, Philly in six. Uh, winning four to two in this series simply because it looks like it's going that way. Uh, the Raptors did win game one, first game in Toronto. They did win, but even that game, it was a very good series so far. All the games have been some well. The first two games, game one and two, were competitive. Game three, Sixers really ran away with it, and it it feels just like I said last week. It just feels like. The Sixers have too much firepower. I mean, they, they've got a fantastic roster, especially their starting lineup, and it just seems like it's too much for Kawhi. Kawhi is clearly the best player in this in this series. He's one of the best in the league, specifically two-way. I mean, fantastic defender, great offensive player, can shoot the three, can drive, can yam on you. He can dunk on most players in the league, but... It, he just doesn't have the help. He doesn't have the pieces around him to win this series. I just don't see it happening. So I'm sticking to Philly in six. The The Sixers are just, they've got too much going for them and too much firepower for Kawhi to handle on his own. So we're going to stick with it there. Uh, we'll stick with our pick from last week for the Raptors and Sixers series. Moving over to the Bucks and Celtics, it is coming back to Boston. Series tied 1-1. Celtics stole one. That's all they needed to do. Uh, when you kind of look at these games and what teams need to do, you just want to steal one from the team that has home court advantage. That is the Bucks. The Celtics stole one, and now they've shifted home court advantage because now the, the Celtics will play two games at home, and then it'll go back to Milwaukee and then back to the Celtics if it needs to. Um so tied series 1-1 it's been a really good series so far but at the same time it hasn't because both games have been blowouts um both teams so so in game one Milwaukee shot horrendously um the Celtics shot phenomenally and they ended up winning by 20 plus points switch to game two exact opposite Celtics shoot horrendously and the Bucks shoot phenomenally over 42 percent from three and they win by 20 plus points so it, it just looks like when these teams kind of come down to earth or come up to earth I guess whichever because both teams have played poorly and both teams have played played well in one of the games they if they meet in the middle this is going to be a really good series it's going to probably be a single digit or we're going to see a couple single digit games here but who knows it might just be hot and cold hot and cold so we'll see what happens I'm sticking with my pick of Boston in seven so I do believe that uh, they will have to win in Milwaukee, which will be tough, but I think they can do it. I think they're a really well-rounded team. I think they have great chemistry. And once again, kind of the same situation as the Raptors. Uh, Milwaukee has a very sneaky good lineup, but it's it feels like Giannis has to do a lot. So we'll see how this series goes. I'm sticking to Celtics in seven. But I think we're going to see a lot of really good games here over the next, I think, all the games. I don't think we're going to see blowouts like we've seen in Game 1 and Game 2. I don't think it's just going to be a series of blowouts. So um, I think I think we're going to see some really good games here coming up. Nuggets and Blazers. 
I would have picked Blazers before I saw this series start, and I'm going to still pick the Blazers to win this series. It is tied 1-1. So once again, the Blazers were able to steal one in Denver, which is all they need to do now. Home court is in their favor. If they let it go to seven, obviously it shifts back, just like with the Bucks and Celtics. If if it goes seven, home court will switch or will shift back to Milwaukee. Same here. If if they allow it to go to a game seven, which again I believe this one will, it's a very good series, two very good teams, and um, two players are just playing out of their minds. Both Damian Lillard and Jamal Murray, and then obviously great uh, play. Now obviously Jokic is kind of the number one in Denver. Uh, C.J. McCollum, number two, but just a very good one-two punch on both of these teams. And uh, so I think it will go seven, and I believe the Blazers will win it in seven. So again, I think we're going to have another lower seed beating a higher seed in a game seven away. Uh, This is really fun series to watch. Very good teams. Both teams are grinder teams. They're kind of nitty-gritty. They're going to tough it out. I mean, we even saw that in this past game. With Torrey Craig, he got his nose broken, bleeding everywhere, and he comes back. He goes to the locker room, gets a mask. I'm, I'm assuming gets his nose straightened out a little bit, gets one of those big old masks on his face, and comes back in and plays. He only scored seven, but that's that's gritty, and I think that's what we're going to see in the series. I just think that the Blazers have the best player in this series, and when there's a kind of a, a really good series like this with with two very good teams that are kind of on par with each other. You got to go with the best player in the series. Some would say it's Jokic. I don't believe so. I believe Jokic to be a very good B plus A minus player. I think Dame is A to A plus. He is so underrated, and he has been for so long. And we got to stop doing it. He's so good, and I think he's gonna be the difference in this series. I think they'll win in seven. We'll see how it goes. Continue watching. This is gonna be a good series to watch. So if there's ever, there's usually not two games on it at one time. They kind of split them up. But um, if you have to choose between this game and another game, I I would almost go this game. I think this is probably the best series that we have going on right now. Um, the Bucks and Celtics is, are a close second, but uh, this is this is gonna be a really good series. And last but not least, we got the Warriors and the Rockets. Now I said before, I never predicted because it wasn't solidified yet but I did say before I didn't think this would be as good of a matchup for the Warriors as the Clippers were and what do you know now these the games have been better they've been closer game one was a nail biter and I do believe that the Rockets got cheated a little bit by the refs but you can't blame it on that there were 17 missed calls for the Rockets or I guess that should have, that would have helped the Rockets. So 17 missed calls against the Warriors in that game one to 11 missed calls against the Rockets. So there was a ton of missed calls against the Rockets too. Now, of course, there's six more. So that's six more opportunities at the end. It was only a four-point game. So it could have turned the tide, yes. But you, you really can't bank it on the refs. I've always said NBA refs are the worst, like they're the worst ref in sports, but it's not necessarily their fault. The NBA is the toughest sport to ref, in my opinion. It's so fast on such a small court, and things are happening everywhere. You can't just watch the ball handler. You have to watch off the ball as well, and and so there's a lot of stuff that will be missed. Now, a few of these calls were bad just just because it's happening with the shooter, and so most attention is on the shooter and if a ref, there, there's a ref obviously assigned to watching nothing but the shooter and or at least whoever has the ball so to miss the foul that James Harden took i mean is really not acceptable because clearly Livingston or Thompson i forget which one it was was they were in his landing that he couldn't land properly he they were in his landing spot or space now, there's a lot we're going to talk about with this topic in a moment, but I want to stick to the series first. The dubs are up 2-0. That call could have made a difference. It's three free throws he would have been shooting. Um, game one was a cl- Again, we're ta- we talked about game one being a close game. Game two never felt close to me. It, was, it, it felt different than game one. It didn't feel as though the refs missed as much. It felt a little bit 
felt better refed specifically for the Rockets, and um, it just didn't really feel close to it. Now, James Harden did get hurt for a good part of the game, which allowed the Warriors to run away with it, but the Rockets stayed in it, and when James Harden came back, they just could never really close the gap. So the Warriors take a 2-0 lead. I never called this game either because it wasn't ready. I w- obviously, I've, I've been saying I would have called the Warriors. The Warriors, I believe, will win the champion, will win the finals again this year. But uh, in this particular series, I probably last week before seeing these couple games would have. I probably would have taken the Warriors in six or seven, maybe, because even though I didn't think it was a, as good of a matchup, it's just it's James Harden. I thought the games that the Warriors would win would be just out of hand, and then I thought James Harden would have three, two or three really good games where they they get a win. Now it's two zero. I could easily see it going. It could be a sweep, and it really could because we're going. Um, I mean, we are going to Houston. We're going back to Houston, so that helps the Rockets a lot. But I mean, the Warriors haven't been a great away team this year. But I don't know. It just had, that game two didn't really feel close. And now Harden's got the injury. Eric Gordon has not been what he was last year. He's he's been okay, but hasn't been what he's what he was last year. Capella has not. It's rough. It looks rough for the Rockets. I would if I had to choose. I'm gonna say four one Warriors. Maybe still six games. It might still go six games again if Harden has a really good game or two. But I don't see it going farther than than six at this point. Like I said last week, I may have been able to say seven, but I don't see farther than six at this point. So I'm thinking in five, Warriors in five, maybe Warriors in six, but but we'll stick to Warriors in five. So now back to what we were discussing before we move on from the NBA. As far as the refs go, I do want to spend a moment on the Warriors and their refs, their, their, their refing complaints. The Warriors four or five years ago, became the NBA's sweetheart. They were beloved by fans, whether they were true Warriors fans or not. They Because it was, the, it was big bad LeBron. LeBron was running the East. LeBron had two finals in four years, uh, or two rings in four years. And it was like, okay, this is a team that can probably consistently stifle LeBron because they, I mean they they're they are the new age of basketball. They had great shooters, they're fast, they're great on defense. And their their play style is just so fun to watch. So much ball movement and so many great shooters. Fast forward 5 years and it seems that it's it's completely changed now. Everyone, not everyone, but the majority of people now hate the Warriors. We're sick of them. We're sick of them winning. We're sick of them complaining about the refs when they clearly, more often than not, get favored. We're sick of them complaining about this, that, and the other. We're sick of Steph Curry yelling at officials and, and yelling at fans and throwing his mouthpiece. And We're sick of Draymond's antics. We're sick of it all. And I would suggest that the reason we're sick of it all is not all of that that I just said, except for one, and that's their complaints about the refs. And that one that one blemish that they have of having the audacity to, again, clearly more often than not get favored. Now, of course, there's miscalled everywhere, but typically less miscalls for you and you're going to have the audacity to complain about the refs, and then when there's a true complaint about the refs that the Rockets have, you're going to make fun of them. Poke fun. I love Steve Kerr, but he was poking fun at them for complaining about the officiating in game one, and I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. There was a clear complaint, and, it, and trust me, if it went, if it was, it was reversed, if it was against you, and it wasn't called for you, Oh my gosh, we wouldn't hear the end of it. If the Rockets had won that game by four and Steph landed on James Harden or or Eric Gordon as they closed out on him and he and they were in his landing space and he landed on them, or if Clay landed on them, or if God forbid KD landed on them, what do you think the Warriors would be doing right now? 
it all hell would raise would whew, I don't even want to think about it. It'd be so obnoxious. And yet they're going to have the audacity to comp- not only complain about the refs but make fun of others when there's a real complaint about the refs. That's just that's frustrating and it's starting to sway me. Like I usually like watching the Warriors because their style of basketball is beautiful and they're all so talented. But at this point, when you're going to start, not only you're going to be the most dominant, you're favored to win every year as long as you're together. But now you're going to do this. You're going to act a fool while you're on top. I, I ain't down for that. I'm not. I'm rooting. I am now rooting against the Warriors. It's over. That's it. I am now rooting against the Warriors, which means they'll probably still win, but doesn't matter because when I was rooting for them, they won anyways because they're too good. I am now rooting against the Warriors, not necessarily for the Rockets, but I love the Blazers. Hopefully, I don't think they can beat the Warriors, but I'll be rooting for the Blazers in the West and in the East. I got to go. I'm going to go Celtics. Yeah, I'm going to go Celtics. I like I like the Celtics out of the East. They've got a cool team. Again, I don't think anybody can beat the Warriors, but I'm rooting against them, I'll tell you that. And a little, one extra thing. SVPs, Scott Van Pelt, and some others on the internet have been have been taking the side of, oh, well, um, James Harden, the way he shoots, he's just looking for a foul. So um, it, it shouldn't be a foul if you're, like, looking for a foul. Okay, shut up. MJ looked for fouls all the time. He would adjust it certain shots. Kobe did it. Tracy McGrady did it. They would pump and adjust their shot. Okay, th- that classic MJ, Kobe, Tracy McGrady, where they pump and then shoot while they lean with their elbow out, is that not is that not changing their shot to look for a foul? But yet, no, but now it's James Harden and it's the Warriors that the foul would be against. And, oh, no, 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 he's he's just looking for a foul. It's He's changing his shot. He wouldn't normally shoot because, look, when he shoots normally, he jumps up, comes straight back down, and he barely jumps. He just kind of lands in the same spot. But when he's looking for a foul, he he leaps and, and lands three feet away, two feet away, whatever. We have a problem with it now. We didn't for MJ, for Kobe, for, for T-Mac. Shut up. It doesn't matter if he's looking for it or not. If it's a foul, it's a foul. If, you, if you're not happy with it, we got to change the rules. But it is a foul, whether he's jumping forward and changing his landing space or not, or or extending his landing space or not, it's a foul. You gotta call it because he could seriously get injured. If you close out correctly, it, they wouldn't be in that situation. But James Harden's getting separation and seeing them come towards him, and then he's yes, he is extending his landing space by foot and a half, two feet, and he should be getting the foul. Because that's how it is. If you don't like it, like I said, the NBA needs to change the rules. But we're not just, I'm, I'm not cool with this. Oh, T-Mac, Kobe, MJ, they can pump and then lean into a shot or lean into a defender with their elbow out to get the foul. And we're cool with that, but we're not cool with what James Harden's doing. All of a sudden, no, 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 it shouldn't be a foul. Okay, that's fine, but change the rule. And at least, and then go back and, and kind of say, yeah, I didn't like when MJ did it. I didn't like when T-Mac did it. I didn't like when Kobe did it. We just, it's just it's a double standard. It's stupid, and I don't like it. Terrible take by SVP. Don't have a problem with Scott Van Pelt. I think he's he's a good analyst. I like listening to him, but I, I thought that was a trash can of a take. Awful. Terrible. Love NBA playoffs. It's great. It's great. It's only gonna get better. All right, we're gonna do a little bit of a draft NFL draft recap. Uh, I'm not gonna kind of I'm not gonna go pick by pick or anything like that because it, honestly, and we knew this going into it, we knew it was gonna kind of be a boring draft somewhat. Um, what I mean by that is a lot of fantastic players in the draft, not a lot of star. Not, not I don't want to say star star power. I guess it was a lot of interior defensive linemen, linebackers, uh, which I love. I love all these positions, but they're not flashy. They're not running backs, quarterbacks, receivers. It wasn't a lot of that. It was a, a lot of depth, a lot of good players, and it was a deep draft through through round four or five. You were getting fan, like just really good players that have potential to start immediately, but they were at boring positions. It's interior offensive. It's, it's offensive line. It's interior defensive line. It's linebackers. It's, it wasn't even a lot of DBs. There was a few good DBs in the draft, but not a, and even that's somewhat of a flashier position. Not a lot of that, so... It was more of a boring draft, but I want to pick out some bullets. I just took six bullets off the top of my head. One's not even 
necessarily a, a draft pick, but just six bullets that I looked at and I saw takes about, I saw news about, or I just saw it and I want to talk about it. So NFL draft recap, or, uh, number one, first and foremost, number one pick, Kyler Murray. He goes number one to the, to the Cardinals. Um, I don't usually say I told you so, but I've been saying for months and months and months that he was to me the most impressive, the most impressive player in the draft. Um, Dwayne Haskins is a better pure passer. Kyler's right behind him though, right behind him, and he's got the wheels. He's got the playmaking ability, and just his ceiling is astronomical, and his floor is lower than Dwayne Haskins. It is. He's got bust potential. Not much, and I don't think he will bust. I don't think his floor is low enough to be a bust. But his floor is lower than Haskins, but his his ceiling is much, much higher. So I think he fits with the Cardinals. He fits with Cliff Kingsbury's offense. He fits in the sense that they have a terrible offensive line, and it's best to get him an offensive line, of course, because you want him to be able to pass it from the pocket, just like Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, Russell Wilson. Um, he'll sit in the pocket, try to make a decision. If he can't, he will roll and extend the play. But rolling and extending the play is not his first option. Right now, in year one, if they don't update upgrade that offensive line, Murray's first option is going to have to be to roll. They're going to have to get him out of the pocket or move the pocket to help him succeed. But that he's better at it than Josh Rosen. So it's it's fine that they went away from it. If they could have upgraded the line, they should have stick, stuck with Rosen and got and traded back in the draft to get more pieces. But if they're not, if they truly don't think they can upgrade the line enough right now, I like the move. Pick Murray, move off of Rosen, which moves us to our next bullet. They did move off of Josh Rosen, sent him to the Miami Dolphins. I am a Dolphin fan, you know this. And I am happy about it. I I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say I think Rosen's going to be a franchise quarterback. I think he absolutely can be. He was, last year was a loaded quarterback class, and he was, on everybody's draft boards, the best passer. But he had attitude concerns and injury concerns. So let's take a look at both of those. Injury concerns, we won't know until he plays. He might get injured. It's possible. He's He's been injured a lot in the past few years, two, three serious injuries, and he got beat up a lot. It's like buying, it'd be like buying a car that was previously owned by a rental, a, a rental car joint. I don't know what you call them, rental car shop. They get a lot of miles on them, and they're driven by a bunch of different people, and they're beat up. He was hit a lot last year, and he's beat up. So we're getting a, a quarterback that already has a lot of miles on it as far as the wear and tear, but it's his sophomore year, so that's not great. But we'll see how his injuries hold up. That's something, again, will only be determined by the future. Attitude. He completely solved that in my eyes. He comes out immediately with a congratulations when he got traded, a congratulations to Kyler Murray. He didn't have to do that. He could have held a grudge. He would have every right to. Congratulations to Kyler Murray. Thank you to the Cardinals. You guys were awesome. Arizona's a fantastic place. And then address the Dolphins. I can't wait to come to Miami. Can't wait to give you everything I've got. I thought that was so cool, so classy. And really, it showed leadership because it's that's hard to do. It's hard not only to take defeat, which this isn't like a defeat, but it is. It's basically the Cardinals saying, we think Kyler's better for us than you. And so it's harder. It's hard enough to take that on, but then to turn around and completely thank that organization and congratulate the player that's taking your spot, fantastic. I mean, he just seems so good. And then his press conference killed his press conference with, with the Dolphins. Really excited about him if he can stay healthy. And he is a really good thrower of the football. He's not. He's no joke. Let's think about this for a second. He was considered the best passer, the best quarter, just pure quarterback in last year's draft. Last year's draft was loaded, and what every scout is saying essentially is that if the guys that went this year, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, who we'll talk about in a second, if those guys went last year, they would have went behind all of those players except maybe, or, or at least they would have been mock-drafted behind all of those quarterbacks except maybe Lamar Jackson. And when I say maybe Lamar Jackson, is Lamar might have been behind Kyler and Dwayne Haskins. He would have been right after them, if not before them. So that's saying something that you have, that you're, that they're essentially scouts say that, or believe, 
Josh Rosen's a better passer than not only Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, but everybody that went last year. So if he stays healthy, if he continues to be a leader, I'm excited about him. I think he can do good things. But again, I guess not again, I haven't said this yet, but it will depend on the Dolphins and this new culture they're bringing under Brian Flores. We'll see if they can build a team around Rosen because our offensive line wasn't very good last year. So if it stays not good and he continues to get beat up, he's not going to stay healthy. He's not going to be able to throw the ball well. And we don't have a lot of pieces on offense either. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get some pieces around him, keep him upright, keep him healthy. I'm excited. I apologize I took so long on that. I just, I'm very intrigued by that situation. Bullet point number three, Giants absolutely sucked again. Daniel Jones, six overall when Dwayne Haskins is sitting right there. Not only Dwayne Haskins, but if you're going to reach on a guy, take Drew Locke. He is way higher upside than Daniel Jones. He might have a lower floor, but Daniel Jones' floor and ceiling are inches apart. hes n- I truly don't think he's going to be a good player in this league. It's just, he's got a weak arm which affects accuracy down the field. He's accurate to a point, and he's somewhat athletic, but he was, to me, the, he was least, he should have been after Kyler, after Dwayne Haskins, after Drew Locke, and maybe not until the middle of the second round. Oh, gosh. this just They pass up Sam Darnold and get a, an excellent player in Saquon Barkley. I'm not, whatever. I'm not going to fault them for that, but when you have a chance to make last year look smart, okay, we went and got Saquon, best running back arguably in the league already, and now we could get the number one quarterback prospect in this class because the Cardinals passed on him, and we're going to actually get the number three, maybe four, who should have been in the third, maybe second round. Huh? They are a dumpster fire. They're the new Browns. They will not win more than three or four games. That's it. That's all I got for that. Redskins got a steal, mostly because of them, uh, because of the Giants, mostly because of the Dolphins passing on Haskins, which I expected. The, the Dolphins were not expected to really take a quarterback. Some people thought it because we needed one, but you know, I'd, most people close to the Dolphins did not. So Haskins slips. And he goes 15th overall to the Redskins. And guess who's he? who he's going to play twice a year? The New York Giants. He's going to be two of their losses this year. He's going to be the two of their losses next year. He's going to be two of their losses for a long time until they get a quarterback, until they get it together and get Gettleman out of there. Redskins got a steal. They made the right pick. I think Haskins has, again, his floor. I think his floor is high. And his ceiling is not as low as Kyler Murray's, but it's good. It's a good high ceiling. His, I think, his ceiling is. You know what? I'd honestly say his ceiling could be a Ben Roethlisberger. Honestly, he's got that big, thick body, not super mobile. Ben's big. Ben is. He's kind of known to be able to run in a little bit and be a little mobile, but that, it's not his mobility though. It's his the way he works the pocket. And that's a little bit of a question mark for Haskins. But if he can work on that and work the pocket really well, he's got the same type of big, thick frame. Very accurate on deep balls. Very strong arm. Very accurate for the most part everywhere. Big Ben's deep ball accuracy is fantastic. And everywhere else, I would honestly almost say Haskins' ceiling for overall accuracy is a little higher than Big Ben's. But I think as a player, his ceiling would be about Big Ben. And then his floor... Uh, probably a Jameis Winston when Jameis Winston is is playing well. So I was never a lot of people were high on Jameis Winston when he was playing well. I was never high on him um, because he was so inconsistent that he never really was playing well. But when Jameis Winston was playing well, when you kind of take away all those those bad turnovers, when he's not turning the ball over so much, I think that's Haskins' floor. So I think he's a very good. I think his floor C plus B minus quarterback and his ceiling is A A plus. And I, I don't think that's that's reaching. That might sound crazy. I don't think it's reaching. I think Haskins will be a very good player for the Redskins. Bullet point number five, uh, I've got the Seahawks. Got a steal as well in DK Metcalf. I wasn't one of these guys that thought he should have went in the first round where he was being kind of projected. He was He's very good. We've never seen that big of a frame jump and run that fat, or jump that high, run that fast, over 40-inch vertical, 4 3 3 40. 
230 pounds, six foot three. Um, the problem was his cone, his three cone drills, his change of direction, and his routes, his route running, I believe, turning left. I want to say it was left. One of the directions he had a really he had a really hard time running routes, and they said his his route tree is very limited. Um, but that's okay. If he can run those two, three, four routes really well, there's not a lot of defenders that can stick with him. There's not a defenders that can stick with a four three three guy who's that big. So if he does those really, really well, I think he's gonna be a great player for the Seahawks. And they're not gonna expect him to do everything. They're not gonna expect him to be an A B, to be an Odell. Those are kind of like all purpose guys. They can go deep, they can go short, they can break tackles, blah, blah, blah. They're just gonna say he's gonna be a deep ball threat. And then occasionally maybe get a screen or something or maybe even a quick slant and just turn up field and go. And so that's what they're expecting to be. If he does that really well, I think he's going to be awesome for Russell Wilson. I think he'll be probably the the best receiver. If he lives up to the potential, I think he'll be the best receiver Russell's ever played with. So that'll be fun to watch. And last but not least, uh, just something out of the fourth round, 133rd overall, uh, the Pats grabbed Jarrett Stidham. And I really like this fit because Stidham is a very savvy, very smart quarterback. He's got a decent arm, and he's pretty accurate. But he's just, he's un, what's the word? He's uncompelling. He's not very compelling. He's not very, he's he's just unimpressive enough to be perfect for the Patriots because he'll come in with no ego. He'll come in ready to be taught under Tom Brady. And I think he could end up being the quarterback of the future for the Patriots. Now, we'll see how it goes because, again, he, he is fourth-round to fifth-round talent. But Brady, they thought, was a sixth-round talent, and he came in hungry. And I think Jarrett Stidham is smart enough, savvy enough to learn under Tom Brady and become really good for the Patriots. So watch him over the next three to four years because that's how long he's going to be sitting. Brady's going to play another three to four years Um I don't think more than that. I think he really will retire at 45, maybe 46, if he continues to play how he is. And he has declined a little bit last year, but I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back. I don't think he'll be much better this year than he was last year, but I think he will be better. I think he's going to bounce back a little bit and and level out to what he played last year, maybe, and again, maybe a little better. So that's what I got for my draft recap. Um, keep an eye on all these stories. I'm excited. To, I'm so excited for the season. It's so far away. Cry me a river. I'm not doing that again. That was awkward and long when I did it last week. I would go, if I go back, I would do it. I would do it again, but I'm not going to do it again now. I'm not going to make you sit through that. It is time for Game of Thrones recap. Boy, oh boy. Again, if you are listening and you have not watched Game of Thrones, shoot, I should have done Twitter certified first so you could hear that. Yep, not doing it. Twitter for certified is after this, so skip ahead. If you don't want to risk hearing a spoiler, just turn it off. I don't mind if you don't hear Twitter certified. That's it. Just turn it off. I will give you another five seconds to turn this off. We are talking Game of Thrones. There will be spoilers. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. Game of Thrones recap. A lot happened. First of all, everybody complained about the visual on the on on the episode. I didn't mind it much. I, it was foggy and it was hard to see, but it didn't feel overwhelmingly hard to see to me. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad to me. But whatever. So that's first things first. Um, a lot happened. Battle of Battle of Winterfell. Batter of Winterfell. <laughs> Battle of Winterfell. It went down. It happened. It was fantastic. And I, I've got mixed reviews about this this episode, but. Overall, I give it a nine. I, I just I thought it was very intriguing. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was everything we could have hoped for. But and then we'll leave the butt for later. So obviously the battle happens. A lot happened. Wow, the Dothraki go out, get wiped out. Not even close. Then Melisandre comes in clutch, which we'll talk about later. Big thing, obviously, we're waiting on the Night King to come to Bran. We're thinking that uh, that Khaleesi, well, not really, I wasn't thinking, but they wanted you to think that Khaleesi had killed the Night King with her dragon fire. Nope, Night King just smirking, mean mugging back up at Khaleesi. And then we have the showdown finally. 
Night King against Bran. And I swear to you, I thought the Night King was going to kneel in front of Bran like, Master, I have arrived. I I swear I thought it. And all this time, I... I, it would have been it would have been crazy if they could have pulled that off, but they didn't. At the last second, Night King's about to kill Bran. Out of nowhere, Arya. Now there's some theories that Arya was maybe masked as a white or a zombie, and that's why she was able to get past them. And obviously, you saw the hair on one of the whites or zombies kind of brush or or flow in the wind, and it was Arya running past him so fast. Um. I think that might be a good theory. It might be because I was wondering how the heck she'd get by all that as well. It would make more sense if she was dressed up as a zombie or, or masked as a zombie. She flies towards the Night King, gets caught by the throat, about to die. I, I honestly thought he was going to kill her. I thought that was it. Um, and she pulls out the OG move from season one. Was it season one? Yeah, Serio Pharrell taught her it, and he dies in season one. And she pulls it out. She also pull, And it was also a throwback to when she beat Brienne with it, um, where she drops the sword and gets Brienne under uh, under the breastplate. And uh, she does it to the Night King. She drops it, catches it. Boom. Night King dead. Is he? I don't know. Pretty sure he is. But you never know with this show. So uh, Night King, all the zombies gone. Attention now turns to Cersei and her army. They are beat up in the south or in the in the north, people. Khaleesi and Winterfell and all of the north is beat up. They lost a lot, but they still have, I believe, I thought just a one dragon lead, but someone said that John's dragon is still alive. I don't remember the names. I'm I'm not that addicted that I know the names. I probably should though. But I've I've read in a, multiple places that Ghost is still alive and both dragons are still alive. So. That could be huge, especially because their numbers are a little off. I mean, Cersei has 30,000 Golden Company soldiers, and then whatever else she's got as far as the Lannister armies go, which I know most of them were wiped out by the dragons, but whatever else she's got. So it is not looking good for the North, but they do have it, it's kind of evens out with the dragons and ghosts and whatnot. So that's really the, that's a crazy episode. The butt is it felt like a season finale. It would have been nice. I, I've been saying like it would have been nice if maybe they lose that battle, or if they retreat early on and start retreating slowly south. Yes, yeah, kind of stupid because they're kind of leading the White Walkers down, but still like get south so that you can at least be once they attack. It's like okay, now Cersei has to get in on it because otherwise she's dead too. So now you have more help from Cersei, or they lose that battle, have to retreat again, and then they have to fight the White Walkers in uh, King's Landing with Cersei again. Cersei can get killed by the White Walkers, whatever. She's gone. And then the whole Arya scene happens with the Night King, and she defeats him, wins the battle. Because it, it really just felt like a season finale because the show started with White Walkers. It started with that mystery and that looming doom, and then it it's not ending with it. It's ending with mano y mano human versus human, Cersei against Khaleesi or Jon Snow or all of them, whatever. And it just felt weird. Now, it is called Game of Thrones, and so it will be ending with Game of Thrones. Like, who's going to be sitting on the Iron Throne? But, again, just the way it started, the whole thing kind of revolved around this this showdown with the White Walkers and humans, and um, it kind of, we're not getting the end with that. We're, we're ending with human versus human. And so that was my only kind of like, eh, that was kind of stinky, but... It's a great show. It was a great episode. Regardless, I really enjoyed it. Can't wait to see what's going to happen next. They're 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 genius writers, so they're going to salvage this into hopefully beyond what we could imagine for the rest of the episodes, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, that's all I've got for recap. I do want to go over. Obviously, ESPN has their top plays. I'm not gonna I'm gonna bite the idea, but I'm not gonna bite the name. I'm I'm calling them suck plays and clutch plays. Not real. They don't really truly rhyme, but if you just don't think about it, they do rhyme. So just don't think about it. Suck plays and clutch plays. We're gonna start with suck plays from Game of Thrones season eight, episode three. My first suck play is Samuel Tarley, and the play that I have that he sucked at, um, I have written a whole episode. 
he sucks, dude. And I started like you start really finding you have this deep like love for Sam because he's so he's just helpless. But then like you you really grow to like his character because he's very smart and figures stuff out. Blah blah blah. And then they're telling him go to the crypts. Like we don't want you out here fighting. And he's like, no, I was the first one to kill one. I can handle myself. I did this. I killed a thin. Blah blah blah. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. He's got courage. Like. That's something that Sam doesn't normally have. He's got courage. He wants to be along by their side fighting. And then he gets to the battle, and he's just awful. He just cries and sits there the whole episode. Suck play. He sucks. Uh, suck play number two, Theon. Theon had a great redemption story. Great episode, really. I mean, he took out so many zombies, whites, whatever you want to call them. And just built this. He just did so well. He could have been on the clutch playlist. Instead, he charges head down, spear out towards the Night King like he's going to do something. And it was just a simple bop, swap, blop, dead. Suck play, Theon. Sorry, rest in peace. We love you. But that was that was, that was was trash. Uh, and suck play number three. Wow, I just realized all three suck plays are males and all three clutch plays are females. Go women. Suck play number three, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. You really don't because <laughs> his idea of taking on the dragon, it was the Night King's dragon with a, the his neck ripped open, fire coming out of it, and he was still breathing fire out of his mouth. His idea of taking on that dragon was to stand up from behind the rock and just yell. He just yelled. And I don't even think he yelled a word. He didn't yell like stop or no or don't or... Please stop. I really don't want to die. He just like yelled, just like, ah. It, it reminded me, if you watch that 70s show, there's an episode where Kelso's trying to take care of Jackie when she's sick. And she's like, don't look at me. She's got a pillow up. Like, I don't want to see you without my makeup. And he's like, no, I love you no matter what. And then she takes the make her pillow down. And it's actually like, it's act, it, the whole screen like turns red, like red light. And she's like, oh, thank you. But it's not Jackie. It's like, it's like a man, like dressed up as Jackie, just to make it look like, oh, she's really ugly without makeup, and uh, and Kelso just starts yelling, ah, ah, like at Jackie, like <laughs> it's so freaking funny. That's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of like like the dragon is Jackie, Jon Snow is Kelso, and he's just like ah, oh, dude, it was so. I was just like, what are you doing, bro? Like he's so lucky that he's got a. Bad, you know what, bad butt sister. All right, clutch plays. Clutch play number one, Melisandre. Um, the Red Witch, Red Woman, whatever, whatever you want to call her. We all hate her. Now we all love her because she came in so clutch. First with the fire swords, which at first we were like, okay, she just told him to raise their swords. What's she going to do? Oh, they all got fire swords. All the Dothraki got them fire swords. And then we quickly realized that it didn't matter. <laughs> the fire swords were really just for it was just for the the cinematic appeal i guess of watching the lights go out as they died because the the fire swords didn't last more than three and a half minutes <laughs> at most so but that was dope and then she comes in clutch again with fire on the barrier that was supposed to keep all the whites all the zombies all the white walkers out so that was dope again didn't work for long but still very clutch very cool um glad she came back also glad she's dead because we still kind of hate her because she's, I mean, pretty messed up. And clutch play number two, Liana freaking Mormont. Dude, I teared up. I was tearing up as she she rushed that giant. She gets picked up, and you start hearing her get literally crushed. And I'm, like, starting to tear up because it was so gruesome, and she's so cool, and she's so young at the same time. Like, it was so sad. And... um. And then she stabs that mother in the eye, right in his eye, boom, dead. And of course she died too. She got crushed, but so sad, but it like stopped my tears because I was just like, yes, but still so sad. And I look over at my brother <laughs> and like, I was like happy about it. Like not happy that she died, but happy. Like, oh, she got him. Like, awesome. She's so cool. And I just hear her next to me. <laughs> And my brother's just losing it. And, like, that's where I was on my way to before she stabbed him in the eye. And then, like, he's just, he said, I just, it's just got to be end game. 
and this and just so many emotions this weekend. It was sorry for selling you out, Brandon, but that was actually really funny. But we both just looked at each other, start laughing. It was it was so funny. Like he was losing it for Liana, so sad. And clutch play number three, Aria, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, freaking, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, Stark, coming in to end the war against the dead. We already talked about that a little bit, so I'm not going to go into it. But how ba is Arya Stark? Just she goes from this little helpless girl, which we knew she had this fight in her, but she was just so tiny and young and helpless to this ruthless. Ice cold, colder than the Night King killer. Baller. Such a good episode. Thank you, ladies, for all the clutch plays. Without you, we would not have won this battle. Sorry, gentlemen, Samuel, Theon, and John. In spite of you, we still won the battle. Um, no, John was pretty good for the most part. He did some really dumb things. He really doesn't think with his head when he's when he, he thinks with his sword when he's fighting, but take that how you will. <laughs> That's Game of Thrones. Recap. Ba-boom. All right, we're going to our last segment today. Twitter certified. We are hitting this hard because it's, again, I've already told you, it's one of the only segments I really enjoy. It's very easy to put together and it's very fun. So Twitter certified. We've got seven for you today. Starts with sports, ends with, well, kind of sports and entertainment. But anyways, we'll just go ahead. Number one, Tom Brady was on Jimmy Kimmel. And the feud between Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon continues. It's a funny video. I know I say I'm going to upload videos, and I sometimes do, sometimes don't. I will try to upload this one. It's basically Jimmy Kimmel walking around a nice neighborhood with Tom Brady. And he takes him and shows him the house. Like, oh, yeah, nice. Do you think? And then Jimmy Kimmel's like, you think you could throw a football through that that window up top? Tom's like, oh, yeah, duh. Like, no, no doubt. He's like, really? Nah, nah, really? And he's like, yeah, no, easily. He said, all right, try Chucks a football through the window. Boom. Shatters it. Wow. That was really good. And sure enough, Matt Damon comes out of the house. He's like, what the heck? What are you? And Jimmy was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You live here. He's like, you know I live here. It was just very funny. So Tom Brady, very funny guy. Jimmy Kimmel, very funny guy. Matt Damon, very good friend of Tom Brady, obviously. So uh, funny video. I'll try to upload it. Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie came out. And I actually... Thought it looked pretty good. I saw a lot of people making fun of it. I thought it looked pretty cool. If you just look at it as a really fun movie, if you don't look at it as like, oh, this is going to be a deep, great cinematic adventure. It's just, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, enjoy it. And it looked really fun. Sure enough, it gets all this flack for how Sonic looks, which they just tried to make him look like a, not realistic, obviously, because he doesn't. He's a running hedgehog. But they, they tried to make him look like he would if he was like a CGI, like like a, or an I don't know, like almost like if he, if if he was in real life, if if he was like I don't know, just you know what he looks like, and people tore it up so much that they're gonna they're gonna go back for this movie and and I guess give him a makeover and and change how he looks. I just think that's so lame. People are so s- snobby and annoying, and y'all just meh, meh, meh. he doesn't look like the real Sonic. He doesn't. He's let him do what they want with them. They try, they made him how they believed he would look. Some people were making fun of how lanky his legs were. Or have you seen Sonic? Sonic or Sonic? Have you seen Sonic? His legs are lanky. They just they just did what they think he would look like in our world. Let it be. Annoying. James Harden, number three. James Harden playing despite eye injury. I hope so. Not saying he should because oh we pay you so much money you should pay play through an injury if you can. Of course, if you can play through an injury, play through it. But I hope so because if he doesn't play. It's going to be a sweep. It won't be a 4-1, 4-2. That series will be a sweep if James Harden doesn't play. The only chance they have at winning a couple is James Harden. So I hope he is playing, and apparently he is. So good news for the Rockets. Number four, Logic, very good rapper. And Eminem, of course, very good rapper. Maybe the all-time great. Team up for a new song called Homicide. I have not listened to it yet. I don't even know if it's out yet. If it is, I will listen to it. Haven't heard it yet. I just think this is awesome. I love both rappers. Listened to Eminem all throughout my life growing up, amongst others. Loved him and, and 50 Cent's relationship. Loved their stuff together. Um, G unit. And I really like Logic as of late, as far as four or five years ago, before Lexi and I got married, my wife. 
uh, before we got married. I've been listening to, to Logic for, again, four or five years. Really like him. He's very good, very talented, and they're teaming up. Should be a really good song. Hopefully it will be. Look out for that if it's not out already. Number five, Steph Curry dislocated his finger in game two early on. He sure did. It looks disgusting if you haven't seen it. I Okay, and I'll try to post a picture of it. We'll see. I have retweeted it, I believe, so you can always go on and see the retweets. Uh, it looked disgusting. Gets it popped back in, taped up. Immediately asked to go back in the game. Didn't shoot well at first. Kind of got it together. We'll see how it affects him the rest of the series. That is a that is a storyline to watch. He is at this point, I believe Steph has to qualify as injury prone. It's not always significant injuries that keeps him out for a long time, but he gets injured a lot. So keep an eye out for that storyline. Number six, Drake killed Arya. Let me explain. It hasn't happened yet, but he sealed her fate. It's over. Arya will not make it through episode six. Okay, she will be gone before the season is over. I believe. I'm not saying for a fact, but I, she probably will be because the Drake curse is real and it is undefeated. Actually, I think it is defeated once. Who knows? It feels like it's undefeated and it feels like it's all powerful. And he comes out. As he's an ex- as accepting, I believe, as a Billboard 100 award or whatever. And he says, um, shout out to Arya for putting in that work last week. Obviously talking about killing the Night King. And she's dead. Drake Curse is stronger than the Night King. It's stronger than Melisandre, the Red Woman. It's stronger than Arya and Needle and her faceless man, faceless woman tricks, skills. She's dead. Arya's gone. Rest in peace. We love you. You're probably most of our favorite character. Nice knowing you. Thanks for all you've done. Last but not least, number seven, prayers. This is a serious ending. Prayers up for Celtics president Danny Ainge. He is a fantastic president. He has done wonders for that organization. Seems like a really good man. Uh, He has had a heart attack this week in Milwaukee. Um, Prayers for him and his family that he has a strong recovery and that he's fine. Um, that's tough to go through. Can't imagine going through that. So prayers up for them. Prayers up for the team. Hoping for a quick and speedy recovery for him. And prayers for peace for him and his family as they they go through this together. So uh, keep that in mind. Keep that in your prayers. Danny Ainge, we got, we got to see him out there. We, 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 he's good for the league. He's great for the Celtics. Great person. Prayers up. That's all I've got for the show. It has been a blast hanging with you guys. Thanks for making me part of your day. Please get back to us at Take It Leave It BH on Twitter, at Take It Leave It BH on Instagram. Please send us any questions, any comments, any topic ideas, any love, any hate. We love it all. Thanks for hanging. Love you guys. Be safe. See you next week. Peace.